0: hello and welcome to the green canary today on the show we're going to be talking about the federal budget i know it's six days ago but there was something missing in the budget we're going to talk about what that was we are also going to talk about a great big new deal that twiggy's got planned with green hydrogen and we're going to talk about sydney's mysterious disappearing beaches where did they go or more to the point why did they go all that and plenty more on the green canary today. As ever, I am with my favorite person who rhymes with the word selfie. How are you, Elfie Scott?
1: I'm good, God, what a segue. But yeah, okay, fair. <laughs> I do take a lot of selfies and I'm on Instagram a lot, so that feels appropriate. Thanks, Anne. Yeah, it, is,
0: it is appropriate. And I take no selfies because I'm lacking in hair uh, and, and, you know, appeal in some ways. But hey, um, don't
1: tread on yourself like that. Come on. <laughs>
0: Oh, uh, that's, that's very kind. Actually, uh, look, we're so close that we're actually suburbs apart today rather than in the studio. How are you? Are you okay?
1: Yeah, I'm fine. So I should explain for the audience that we are recording remotely. We've only done this once before, but I'm doing it because I suspect I have COVID. I don't know. That's not what the rats are saying, but we'll find out soon in the future. Who knows?
0: Uh, the rats rule our life don't they it's like in the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy when the mice ruled the world or the universe but it's actually the rats that rule us now rats in the ranks i'm trying to segue to politics let's go there let's go to the budget let's go to what wasn't in the budget because i mean you and i sat down a lot of australians sat down watched as much as we could tolerate of uh, the federal budget last tuesday night oh yeah and certainly from... halfway through i'll be honest <laughs> well, and certainly from our perspective something was missing wasn't
1: it yeah so for the first story this week we want to talk about the federal budget like you said it's a little while ago now but you know there was a lot of news to talk about within that we talked about stuff like cost of living and petrol prices obviously but there was just this like glaring emission of or omission rather, not emission. There was this glaring omission of any sort of climate change action within the budget. And, you know, I think that that was pointed out by a lot of sort of researchers and advocates in the wake of the budget, but it's also something that we've just seen a lot of commentary about on social media. People are talking about how disappointed they are with this announcement. And you actually made it through the entire speech. So I'm gonna ask you, like, what was your reaction to this?
0: Yeah, I was watching it right here at home. Um, look, I was waiting for the sort of visionary statement on renewables and government investment paving the way for, for new jobs. You know, we've seen that with people like Matt Keane in New South Wales. We have seen Liberal politicians um, do that. But but it took for, uh, 19 and a half minutes for Treasurer Josh Frydenberg to even mention the words climate change or renewables when he did so as those of you who read our newsletter and that's more and more of you each week thank you um uh, you know as as those who read the newsletter would have seen i think i used the word perfunctory in the newsletter Mm -hmm. it was perfunctory it was it was kind of like frodenberg was past the big stuff he was past the handouts he was past the fuel excise cutting not bagging that well played him but it was a long way down the track, 19 and a half minutes into the speech when we finally got to some very minor measures around renewables. And, and he said the words climate change very quickly moved in as as though he was sort of swatting a mosquito away. And um, to, to me, it, it it lacked. Look, the landscapes changed, Elfie. Um, the, the Black Summer fires, the floods in recent times, COP26 last year. There are so many... Little flashpoints, um, at which Australians have gone, oh my gosh, we we really have to get serious about our commitment to climate action and about turning ourselves into a renewable superpower. They're the words I wanted to hear, <laughs> renewable superpower.
1: Yeah, but yeah, I 100 agree. But I mean, God, what can you reasonably expect from this government based on their track record so far? um we also want to talk about this article that was written by an economist from the climate council following this budget announcement and you know it was written by this woman uh nikki hutley who had some fantastic points and uh, she has these quotes in it that were really punchy uh one of them being that the federal budget has failed to deliver any meaningful commitments to address escalating climate change in australia And ironically, while proposals for action on climate change are almost non-existent, the costs of climate-fueled natural disasters are stark and mounting. So I think she's really touching on what you were talking about just then, Ant, in terms of the bushfires and the floods. Like, this is all coming to the front of mind more and more, and yet we just don't see that reflected in government action. And yet... Then a couple of days after the budget announcement, we did see a speech from Anthony Albanese and that actually had kind of a different tone. So uh, what did you make of that, Ant?
0: Yeah, let's let's roll it. Let's just play it and, and then we'll talk about it. You know, Albo's um, Albert uh, budget reply speech had a quite a different tone. I mean, the, the bit we're about to play uh, comes at two and a half minutes into his speech. You know, Frydenberg... Mention these things 19 and a half minutes into the speech so so there's a win by 17 minutes but but you know obviously you're measuring these things on not how early you talk about them which is a sign it is still a sign of what you're prioritizing but what's actually being mentioned so let's let's hear it labor has a real plan for economic growth and prosperity a plan to get incomes rising and costs under control with five pillars Our Powering Australia plan to drive investment in cheap renewable energy will create 604,000 new jobs by 2030, with five out of every six in the regions, and lower power bills for households by $275 by 2025, and lower power bills for businesses as well. I mean, look... (laughs) Frankly, when I hear phrases like five pillars, I reach for my rifle. I mean, I hate, I, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, kind of like, you know, the Chinese Communist Party's five-year plans. It's, it's, they're, they're meaningless and they're almost a bit frightening. But the first pillar was investment in renewables. So I got excited. I went from cynical to excited in about two seconds because I, I want um, our leaders of whatever political stripes they are to be talking about the triple win, the triple win from re- renewables, the hip pocket win that he spoke about briefly, that comes with lower power bills, the economy win that comes with job creation, and of of course the win for the environment, mm. the the necessary win, the win we can't live without going forward. Yeah. So yeah. it was the right sort of noises, and and I just felt I felt that Frydenberg missed an opportunity. I, I felt I felt that it was he he almost. Didn't want to talk about it.
1: Yeah. I mean, almost didn't want to talk about it. I think we can walk away with some pretty big conclusions from that. Anyway, let's move on to our second story of the week. And we are going to be talking about green hydrogen today. So you mentioned Twiggy in the intro, but just for a little little bit of background, that is Andrew Twiggy Forrest, uh, who we know is the iron ore billionaire. Um, Maybe we're a little bit too, uh, I guess, friendly with calling him just Twiggy alone and expecting (laughs) you to understand that. But basically this week he struck a potential $50 billion green hydrogen agreement with this German energy giant. The name of this German energy giant is E.ON, and Ant and I were having a fight before we did this podcast as to how you pronounce it. I'm going to go with Eon, but I'm very happy to be corrected on that. But at least
0: someone, if, if anyone out there knows, because I just watched four corporate videos just before the potty going, All right, what does this company call themselves? And they were just, it was just all these spokespeople just going, We believe in blah, 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 green power. They never said their own name. It was very frustrating. So, it's, it's it's stylized as e.on let's call them eon um anyway twiggy eon twiggy they're teaming up aren't they they they've drawn up an agreement nothing's quite happened yet but but it's an agreement potentially worth 50 billion dollars uh to to produce green hydrogen and you know speaking about in the context of the budget as we just did about i wanted the government to do something i wanted them to Point the direction of the ship Australia in, you know, towards Renewables Island. Well, Twiggy's doing that. Twiggy is um, talking the talk. He, he set up a renewables hub in Queensland earlier this year. Sorry, a hydrogen hub, which is which means we can start, you know, processing this, making it happen. Now he's getting into business with a big European utility. And I'm very excited. Uh, I think there's there's a lot going on here. And and um, I think there's even a bit of a link to the, the war in, in, in Russia's war in Ukraine, isn't there?
1: Yeah. So this is something that has been circling our minds for a little bit that but, but we haven't really discussed explicitly on the podcast before. But, you know, the conflict in Ukraine and Russia's war there has really led to some very interesting energy questions especially in germany where they rely hugely on russian imported natural gas and so i think that twiggy is really cashing in on something really important there and building a very important sort of connection with Germany. Um, You know, I I don't know whether we've explained green hydrogen uh, enough for the audience in the past, but what I think we will do in the future is probably put together an episode sort of explaining how that industry could grow. But what you basically need to understand at this point is that green hydrogen can, you know, be sourced through renewable energy and it's a very clean way of producing electricity um, and basically it, the price of green hydrogen has been diving for years now. So it is a really exciting thing to see. And it's one of the biggest sort of renewable energy deals that we've seen possibly ever, but I, at least in recent years. So yeah, it's it's an interesting story. And I think that we'll probably keep an eye on it and then eventually explain to you what green hydrogen is in detail once we can- that, that is
0: <laughs> ab- absolutely a challenge, a challenge set. Um... I think we should do an explainer series and I think, you know, what the hell actually is green hydrogen is a good one. Now you said a word a minute ago, you said the price has been diving. Let's go diving Elfie. Let's, let's, let's segue that way into our third story. Oh, let's,
1: beautiful work. And thank I'm you. so proud of you. <laughs> let,
0: <clears throat> thank you. Let's dive. Let's dive into Ningaloo reef. Sadly, when we do that, we will not see Ningaloo reef in its true glory. Now that of course is the reef. It's one of the reefs in that area off Western Australia. Um, did you know that they're the largest fringing reef in the world? Um, and, and what a fringing reef is, a reef that sits right next to a big chunk of land, because, of course, the Great Barrier Reef is is a fair way offshore, most of it. Anyway, it's bleaching, isn't it, Elfie?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I like how you gave the big exciting setup and then it's like, oh, yeah, no, it's, it's dying. Um, yeah, but... no, no, it's not
0: dying. Dying is, bleaching is not dying. Bleaching can lead to death of coral Bleaching is corals in stress. They can recover. They can't recover uh, quickly, especially to repeated mass bleaching events, but they haven't had one there for a while, but the warm waters that we've seen off Queensland, now there are warm waters off WA and, and we're having a bleaching event there and uh, it's not good.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that it's important to cover this story uh, this week because I think we've been speaking so much about the Great Barrier Reef and what's been happening on the east coast of Australia with those rising water temperatures. But yeah, it's easy to forget for at least for people on this side of Australia that WA has this really rich, beautiful coastline that's dominated by this reef um, you know I've always dreamed of going diving with whale sharks there if anybody wants to take me feel free but <laughs> you know it, it is in as much danger as the Great Barrier Reef and I think that we have to sort of come to terms with the way that the entire coastline of Australia is being affected by rising temperatures
0: yeah we'll say we'll say it and you know I read one quote from a from a dive instructor over there uh who a dive master love the term dive master love to be a dive master but anyway she said um that her team had been uh you know dogging around the reef and they've hardly seen any of the flamboyant sea slugs known as nudibranchs and you know flamboyant sea slugs um i don't know if you've ever seen pictures of nudibranchs we probably should have got some but they are unbelievably they're almost like like magical animals um look i'd go i'd go there for the slugs you and i've talked about slugs before when you were up at the pillager in northern new south wales you missed the pink slugs of mount capitar which are famous slugs slug tourism we've, we've just got to be doing more slug tourism but you know unfortunately slug tourism's not too great on ningaloo so we'll keep you across the bleaching there because it's really only just started we don't yet know if it's a mass bleaching event but we do know that some reefs are bleaching
1: yeah yeah totally all right now let's head into our mulch for the week which is our section where we talk about the little curiosities the clippings that we want to bring to the table uh and first up we have a story about wind and solar so this is actually quite a positive story and which we generally don't get to do so can you walk me through this one
0: real real simple um a graph shows that the world is now uh sourcing 10 percent of its electricity from hooray renewables now <clears throat> that's not as much as in even in australia where it's more like a third but but it you know there are some countries that that are, that are well behind the eight balls for all sorts of reasons uh we're getting there we have 10 percent of the world powered by renewables electricity wise and it's just a good little milestone worth celebrating
1: yeah It's beautiful. Um, I could say things that could mitigate the joy of that, but I'm not going to. We're just going to enjoy it for a little bit. Um, All right. And then I have a story that I really liked this week, and I just want to shout out the journalists who wrote it, who are Emily Atkin and Caitlin Luby from GQ and they basically wrote this really incredible story that included eight smaller stories within it, highlighting the difference for communities around the world between 1.5 and two degrees of rise. So for example, uh, one of the first stories that they go into is talking about, you know, We've we've heard about the hottest temperatures re- recorded on Earth, like in California's Death Valley. But what we don't hear about are places like a city in Pakistan where temperatures in summer are routinely rising above 50 degrees. And that's sort of past the place where the human body can cool itself and people are dying of heat there. So what I really liked about this story and I thought was very important to understand was that two degrees is catastrophic for so many communities around the world and we act like that is an acceptable temperature rise but it's a privilege for us to believe that and there are so many places that are going to be starkly affected by 1.5 degrees and we can't tolerate that basically so i think that's a really important article to read and you should go and go and head over to gq and have a little look at that one
0: i'll put a link to it in the newsletter this week because it is a great yeah the way that they've you know good climate journalism doesn't just you know wave flags and go everybody run for the hills he goes right here are some places here are some people this is what they're going through it was an incredible story subscribe to our newsletter now there is one more little thing that we wanted to talk about the sydney beach inundation absolutely incredible scenes um bondi gone uh waves all the way over the promenade bronte um just down the just down the coast, uh, waves into the park you know people walking their dogs in the park in the green grass well behind the seawall completely knocked over Mm -hmm. a lot of footage out there showing all of this a lot of people on twitter and facebook and beyond saying right this is climate is it climate well you know i'm into the weather elfie you know i've got meteorologists meteorologists at my fingertips (laughs) um or you know on speed dial speed dial still a thing anyway um
1: (laughs) it's actually really outdated now isn't it it is it is
0: but the, the phrase lives on the phrase lives on um i rang one here's what he said yes the role of climate change is there even if it's not a huge amount if you take climate change away it's unlikely the water would have gotten as high as it did on the weekend so look there was a huge low pressure system just off new south wales coast and that's like a massive fan in a bathtub it's like an industrial sized fan and it's gonna push all the water on Mm. 13 meter waves were recorded by offshore boys uh it was a high tide there were a few factors going on so we've always had these extreme eroding events but they're coming more often just like everything else climate is a factor undoubtedly in the equation yeah
1: yeah 100 percent and also You mentioned that there was a turtle involved in this story as well to me earlier.
0: Forgot about that turtle. Yeah. The turtle, a a 600 kilo. Well, it wasn't quite that big, but they can get that big leatherback turtle. It's the largest reptile in the world. That's not a crocodile. I've learned this week. They're enormous. One of them washed up on a Voka on the central coast of New South Wales, um, which, which is just really sad. And, and, Scientists have speculated that, look, it could have been the end of its life. Maybe the heavy seas washed it up. Could have been pollution. Could have been polluted waters from floodwaters, bringing down agricultural chemicals. Could have been a whole bunch of different stuff. But it's, again, it's just the sort of thing that seems to be happening more. Did climate change kill that turtle? No. Are we hearing about more crazy stuff like this lately? Yes. Pieces start to fall together.
1: Yeah, yeah, 100%. But, oh, God, why do we have to end on a negative note, and All right, do this positive next time? week, positive next week. <laughs> all right, well, that is all we have time for today in our episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Before we leave today, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we are both recording, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We'd like to pay our respect to elders past and present, as well as extend that respect to any Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people here today.
0: Thank you very much, Elfie. Well said, as always. And I'd just like to say to people that don't forget we're out there on Twitter at Green Canary Pod. We're out there on Insta at Green Canary Media. What you can do is you can talk to us and say, this is how you say the German company e.on. <laughs> or you can email us at hello at co. And so I would absolutely adore and love to get your newsletter each Wednesday. And by the way, you pronounce E dot on thus. That'll be really terrific. Maybe write a link and we'll play it next week. But that (laughs) is all for now. See you later.
1: Refuse to learn how to pronounce it. But yeah, thank you very much, everybody. (laughs) See ya.
0: (laughs) Bye.